What's going on everyone, it's Carl Cruz, and just before we start this podcast, I would just like to say, I hope you're doing well and staying safe. It is a scary time at the moment and people are supporting each other or, or being complete morons, so I hope we can safely assume that you listening are doing the former. In times like these, all we have is one another, so let's just keep treating each other well and being good people. And with that said, let's move on, talking about some sweet VOD releases. What's going on everyone? It's it's Carl Cruz. And you're listening to the KC at the Movies Podcast for the 30th of March 2020. Strange times we're in, everyone. Strange times indeed. Um We're living currently living for a global pandemic. It currently feels like the end of the world. But uh you know, hope you hope you're doing well. Staying safe. Stand inside your homes, most importantly, washing your hands, doing all that good stuff. Because there's no cinema releases uh, this week, because everything is currently coming out on VOD, uh, we're going to talk about some VOD home releases today. Um, I've got three movies to talk about today. We're going to talk about The Hunt, Vivarium, and Big Time Adolescence. But first of all, I just want to check in and just see how you're doing. This is a, it's it's a, it is it is really a very very strange time. I um, I haven't felt this. Um, since we all hopefully are practicing self-isolation, I haven't felt this distant from people uh, in a very, very long time, and literally distant at the moment. Um, it's it's just very odd. But the, the thing is, like the silver lining, I think at the moment is just getting a lot of shit done that I would normally not do, either because I would apparently I would have plans. I mean, not apparently, but I would have plans and i uh, wouldn't have time to do them or i just wouldn't wouldn't do them but it's weirdly challenging me to be more creative and uh trying different things i mean i'm, I'm writing writing some more pages of screenplays that i probably would have put off um if i like was doing something or had something planned and uh I don't know, it's just really sucking me in to be more creative, to, to actually doing things that would, I guess, matter. I mean, instead of watching YouTube or anything like that, I mean, uh, most most days like this where I've got nothing to do, usually sinking myself into watching a YouTube video, and really I should be doing more productive things. And uh, this time has really, I don't know, gotten to, me, gotten to me reflect. It sounds weird to say, but has really gotten to me reflect on what I haven't been doing. So, um, it's really getting me to, to, uh, to try to do, do those things and try different things as well. Um, I mean, I've been writing songs, writing poems, um, reading books, learning new instruments. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's like a, a, a double-edged sword, except the other edge is a global pandemic. So, yeah. But all we can do in this time is just remain positive, have hope, and uh, and keep carrying on. So, uh, let's get on with talking about these these movies, right? And they are readily available to you. You can get these. Uh, they're available in digital. The Hunt and Vivarium are both available in digital. Big Time Adolescence you can currently stream on Hulu. So, which is pretty cool. And they're... Um, yeah, that's why I picked these movies, because they're going to be available to you right now. You can watch them right now. You can, you know, 
consume that content. There's a lot of content to consume uh, recently. There has been that, the, especially in music as well, there has been the Weekend album, there's been the Childish Gambino album, and both of those albums, very, very, very quality. I think the Weekend's album is probably his best work so far, and, uh, and Childish Gambino is just, uh, I mean, I'm trying to say Donald Glover now, I guess, because he's not really using that name anymore, so... Uh, I don't know. But in terms of content, we have a lot to choose from. Um, in an, any form of media, really. Um, and I know a lot of people are watching, consuming a lot of stuff. Um, I know some people are consuming the wrong... I mean, at this time, the wrong stuff, because it's just going to make them more paranoid, like media articles and everything about coronavirus, that people are driving themselves insane over this shit. And um, I know people like myself and... A lot of friends of mine are just watching content, just consuming a lot of shit, getting some entertainment in, you know, just escaping. So these are to help you escape more, I guess, but to give you the choices, good choices, um, instead of just waiting for all the shit and uh, finding something that would either be okay or right. I mean, the first one here we're going to talk about is, is going to be a bit mixed, but uh, I still think it's well worth watching. So let's just talk about it. Let's get on to it. Uh, the first one I got here is The Hunt. Um, it was supposed to come out last year, and it was delayed because of uh, gun violence and everything like that. Uh, there was a lot of controversy surrounding that. It was put on hold, and it was going to release this year. Supposed to be releasing in April in Australia, but it released uh, it was in America about uh, two weeks ago, I believe. Two, two or three weeks ago. And we were supposed to get it in April, but it came on VOD. It's available on VOD. So that's how I watched it. And uh, it's directed by Craig Zobel, who did a film of a, a, a film I really, really love, but have a very hard time watching again, Compliance. It is a very, very uh, unsettling film. This is less unsettling, but Compliance definitely is a very, very unsettling film. If you have not checked out Compliance, uh, Craig Zobel's other work, it's very, very uh, gripping and unsettling, and it's a true story. Uh, it actually happened, so it's it, it's hard to think about. But we'll talk about The Hunt. It's directed by Craig Zobel. It's written by Nick Hughes and co-written by David Lindelof of uh, Lost, Leftovers, Watchmen fame. It is about 12 strangers waking up in... They wake up in like a field, and uh, they've got... There's a crate in the middle, which has guns, and it is assumed that they are... Um, going to kill each other, but then it turns out that they are actually being the, they are the ones being hunted. So they have to work together to you know put together how to how to kill these people that are hunting them. And I guess yeah, I guess work together. I mean, that's <laughs> self-explanatory there. But what this film turns into is not what I got from like the trailers or any stills or anything like that. Uh, this film is actually a political satire. It's a political satire that takes itself quite lightly, and um, I enjoyed that part of it. But I think the film's main problem is that its its political satire is so on the surface of it all that it's not. It just it kind of gets in the way of being, I guess, an entertaining film. I would say I was still entertained throughout, but there are a lot of sequences where there are characters are talking, and it just doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like uh, 
actual characters speaking. It, it sounds like Twitter feuds happening in real time. So it's like it's it's like you're on like a Twitter forum and you're just seeing all this all these trigger trigger articles and everything. It, that, that's what the di- character's dialogue feels and sounds like. So it, it's very on the nose when it comes to its politicalness, um, political uh, aim, I guess. Politicalness. <laughs> that's not a word. And uh, but that's the problem I had with it. It's it's not so subtle, and you're really not sure who they're firing at. Like it feels like they're firing at everyone. Yeah, it, it's really all over the place. When actually the film actually starts, though, you're not actually sure who you're following because it follows certain characters at the beginning, and then when you finally follow Crystal, who's played brilliantly, my ad, by Betty Gilpin of uh, Glow fame, she saves the entire film for me. Her performance is so fucking good. It's very natural. I loved her uh, her facial expressions and her reactions to certain things. It reminded me of Samara Weaving's performance in uh, in Ready or Not, but um, I like I do like Samara Weaving's performance more. But it, that's what just reminded me of it. it had that um, had that that sarcastic wit and and just I just loved her character. Her her character of Crystal was was really really good. So when you're not getting so caught up in all the um, political mess of it all i guess um you're following crystal and she's trying to find out who's hunting everyone or who's hunting her she was really good betty gilpin is really 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 good i would also like to add as well this film has a surprisingly good fight scene at the end um for a lot of comical action sequences and gore has a really decent fight scene in the film in the end that like felt like john wick almost like it was uh, all of it was in camera. There was some really nice hand-to-hand combat, and I won't really get into what happens during it. But it's just, I think, it's a, it's a very nice, very nice fight scene. So overall, I would, I would just say it's still an entertaining film. I had a good time watching it, it but it's just a little bit in your face. Of, um, it's just a little bit in your face. It, if I, I described it as the mother, which is uh, David Aronofsky's film from a few years ago, I described it as the mother of political satire. And if that is trying to get you on the edge or is going to get you reeling you in because you like that really sledgehammer on the nose kind of shit, well, that, that's for you. But I will warn you that it's just for the people who didn't like Mother, like myself, it's a lot. It's going to be a lot to take in and you can either agree with it or um, just sit there and bear it, I guess, when you're watching the film. Uh, so anyway, it was fine. It was fine. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't. Didn't feel like my time was wasted. Betty Gilpin saved the film for me, and has uh, a great fight scene at the end. A pretty good fight scene. I really enjoyed it. Alrighty, um, moving on. Microphone. Uh, moving on. We have Vivarium. Vivarium was released on digital this weekend. Just gone, and um, I was been really looking forward to this one ever since it played at a festival last year and um when i saw the trailer for it i was like this looks really really interesting big fan of vision poots as well like jesse eisenberg don't love him like him but i love vision poots and their last pairing was the art of self-defense which is a great dark comedy if you have not checked that out from last year it is so good um their last pairing was that film and um, i highly recommend it Vivarium is written and directed by Lorcan Finnegan. Uh, it also has a co-screenwriting credit from Garrett Shanley as well. And it's about this young couple, Gemma and Tom, 
who are looking for the idyllic home uh, to to start the rest of their life. And uh, when they get taken to a a plot of houses from this uh, real estate agent named Martin, they find themselves trapped in this nightmarish labyrinth that they just can't find an escape out of. And that's all I'm going to say. This one's a bit of a hit and miss for me. I will say off the top, Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots still their good performances. Uh, it has a very unsettling opening sequence. Uh, and its musical score throughout actually does maintain that creepy tone. And it does do, does a good job of getting under your skin and being so... Uh, I, I guess... It's not menacing, but it just really gets under your skin. You're like, ooh, this is just... A, it's unsettling. Like I... Uh, like most of the film is really. And when it wants to be effective and be creepy, it does work. And um, I really enjoy the sequences where it starts getting a little hair going, you know. And when it wants to be really strange, it even made me laugh at times as well. I had some moments where I was like chuckling to myself. I don't know if that's my type of humor, but uh, I definitely do that. That's my type of humor. But if that is your type of humor, I think you might also find some enjoyment there as well. Um, it's... Very, very strange in those times, and you just can't help but laugh. Um, there's a sequence where there, uh, Gemma and Tom are in bed, and they have a uh, another character is at the end of the bed, and there are uh, just that whole back and forth. It's just it's it's strange, but it's also very funny at the same time. But I think this this film's main problem is it gets so caught up with the art of being like the art of the whole metaphor because this film the whole, the whole film is a metaphor for. Uh, I believe just uh, the trap of adulthood and, and finding this idyllic home and settling down and not feeling like it's it's what you want to do and before it's too late before you know it sorry it's, it's too late and you can't escape it there is a there's a lot of themes of uh, like there's uh, the American dream I think there's uh, unwanted pregnancy um, and just the whole the whole um, the fear of being trapped in the mundane, I think. And um, at times the film can get really caught up in displaying that through its art. And because of that, it suffers with pacing issues and it really feels like it's not its runtime. Its runtime is like an hour and 30, where it really feels like an hour 40. So just giving you a fair warning when you jump in there, that that's what it's going to feel like. It, it is slow at times and when it's, that's when it starts to get a little creepy and scary. Uh, that's where it's going to, you're going to be like, well, okay, how long have been doing this for? But um, what saved it for me with the performances, the score, the cinematography has a gorgeous color grade as well, um, which I'll, I want to get the, uh, the cinematographer up because I think he's done a great job. There's a really good use of close-ups throughout the film to show the um, the building anxiety of it all and they really just, I mean, Imogen Poots is fantastic. She just love her love her she has a great scene as well with another character and uh about him being fucking disgusting yeah, just the way she did that was just fantastic mcgregor he's a, a one a one word dude everything about this film is just strange a one word dude mcgregor he he's the one that uh filmed it okay all right mcgregor but yeah mcgregor has uh really nice use I and mean, him, him and Lorcan work together really well putting together these close-ups that uh, are just 
they're already like in the in the first twenty minutes of the film, they're already there, and then when they when you start seeing more of them throughout the film, it does help build the tension and the anxiety. There's some great use of tension as well in some scenes as well, and the end as well. It is bizarre. I will say that it is an ending. <laughs> it is an ending. Um, and I love how the director and the uh, the DP as well changed that up as well in terms of how it's how it's shot and how it's um, how it looks. And I won't again won't get into spoilers how it, how it, how they do that, but I really liked how that it changed it up. But um, yeah, those are the strengths I think. I think it's the actors. I think it's the DP. Um, some of the directing, the writing is fine as well. Um, but I just think that Lorcan is is because it's I think it's most of his story. He just gets so caught up in just showing it all where he could have just slowed down a bit. Um, maybe maybe it needed a bit more flashy editing. Um, sorry, not flashy editing, more uh, economic editing. If I'm using that word correctly, I'm not an editor, so um, sorry about that. But I just think it, it just needed a bit more of a cleanup and then we, I would have enjoyed it much more. Um, so that's on VOD right now. Check it out. Vivarium. Vivarium. And finally, we have reached my favorite film of the three. Um, I watched this. When did I when did I first watch this? I watched this on. Um, oh dear! Oh dearie me! Got to jump in the old letterbox. I think I watched it on the twenty first of March. The twenty first, I believe. I believe. Um, twenty third. 23rd of March. Watch this on the 23rd of March. Um, so what happened was it came out on, it was supposed to come out in theaters last weekend. I believe it was last weekend. It was the 21st. Yeah. Last weekend. And what happened was it was released on Hulu on the same day. So like everyone got it. And um, I mean, I can be more, I can't even be more glad that that actually happened because this film is one, is the, one of the best films I've seen all year. Um, I, it played at last year's Sundance, I think. I think it played at last year's Sundance. Look at the laurel there. Yeah, played at last year's Sundance. And ever since hearing about it, um, showing at Sundance and, and the, and the uh, praise it got, I've been really, really looking forward to watching Big Time Adolescence. I watched Pete Davidson's last special. He talked about it and all the PR and all the marketing he's been doing. He always mentions Big Time Adolescence. He seems very, very confident about Big Time Adolescence. So... I was really, really looking forward to seeing this, and uh, this film is great. Uh, it is really, really, really good. Such a feel-good, uh, good-time film. So it's written and directed by Jason Orley, and it's about a suburban teenager named uh, Mo, who is his best friend is is his sister's uh, ex-boyfriend, um, ex-boyfriend Zeke who is, um, I think it's an abbreviation of Isaac. I've seen it twice now, so abbreviation of Isaac. And uh, so what happens is he becomes his friend while they're going out. This is just, this happens in the first five minutes of the film, so I'm not spoiling anything. Uh, he becomes friends with Zeke, who is uh, his sister's boyfriend, and then they break up, but he remains friends with Zeke, and he's pretty much his best friend, really. It's his best friend. But Zeke is like 23 years old, and Mo's like 18. Um, I'm not too sure about the ages. I know that Zeke's 23 because his father mentions it in the film, who's played by 
John Cryer of Two and a Half Men fame. Um, this thing was just, it was just great. It was just such a good time. And I really, really liked Pete Davidson's performance. I think he delivers a good dramatic performance here. And uh, it's not really, that not much is asked of him, but he just plays the role so well. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's easy for him to play it, I guess, because it's a stoner role. I know he doesn't smoke anymore or um, do anything like that, but it, it does seem like an easy role for him to play, but I couldn't see anyone else doing this role after watching this movie because he does it just so well. And Griffin Gluck as well from American Vandal fame, he is really, really good as, um, as Moe. I don't know. I, I don't know, man. What I really, really liked about this film, I think it was just, it was just relatable. Um, there's, I could see my younger self in these situations. I mean, I didn't really do all this stuff, but um, there was, this stuff was, was happening around me during my high school years, and um, it is, it's a bit of a throwback. And um, I can see the high school kids now really, really attaching themselves to this film and seeing themselves within these characters. Um, there is some great dialogue, um, every character is really memorable, even Machine Gun Kelly, out of all people, who I not really enjoy that much, who I don't really enjoy that much, he's fine, he's just, he, I mean, his character's not so, so substantial, but he's in it as well, um, and he's really, he's good, Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria, um, and you might know her as well from, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she's also in it, but you, you'll definitely know her as Cassie from, um, Euphoria, She's in it as well. She's really good. And it just flew by. The pacing is great. It hits its runtime and it's just it's just great. It has a good ending as well. It it felt like it it felt like the driveway ending of um of uh Miseducation of Cameron Post, which is a great film if you have not checked that out. That is a great film uh from a couple of years ago with Collagress Moretz. Really, really good film. Have not checked it out, do that please. It felt like it felt like that ending, like. Um, but I won't, I won't say what it actually is, of course. But it just felt like that, and you really felt for these characters, and you really wanted them to, you know, succeed and and, and be safe and be, um, and nothing, you know, nothing bad happens to them. Um, I guess my only gripe with it would be that there's not really many stakes. Uh, there's not much emotional stake. You do feel for the character, but there's doesn't really feel like there's any danger um, throughout. I'm not saying that it has to be, but there 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 is a situation that would have the danger. But um, I would just say like I was, it, it kind of was just done and over like that. There was not really much. Uh, I guess there was not much fallout to it. It just kind of happens and it's done, and. Um, I don't know, I would have liked to see it, just, I would have actually liked to see more of this movie, I would have seen, I would have seen an extra 20 minutes, fuck it, um, but, that's it, like, that, that's, that's all I have with it, um, so I, I, I guess that some people are not gonna have much to, um, if they want stakes, if they want, feel like they want to feel that, that there's danger, uh, there's not much there, there's just, it's just a chill, good time movie, and it's just a hangout film. It's just a hangout film that you can watch, and um, high school kids can relate to. Definitely high school boys. I feel like they really have. I mean, other than Super Bad, 
contemporary with contemporary times now i feel like high school boys have a film that they have i think the girls had book smart last year and this year we get uh the boys get big time adolescents so that's it that's big time adolescents i really 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 recommend that film um it's now playing on on hulu if you want to check that out all right, guys, that will do it for this week's podcast. I've I've got a little... I haven't got a schedule going, but I just want to say, during these uh, strange, strange times, um, I've got some few things cooked up this week that I'm going to have for you. Uh, we're going to have the Everything I Watched in March. That's going to be sometime this week. I've got something cooked up with a friend of mine who you might know on the podcast. Um, we're doing something, doing something with him. And um, I'm, there might be another, there may be something extra that I'm, I'm thinking about doing as well. Really looking forward to doing those things with you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Do check out all three of those films. I don't see, I, I don't like, it's, I don't not like any of these films at all. I think they're all good in their own way. Um, the Hunt, I think less so, but I would definitely recommend Vivarium and I would of course, recommend Big Time Adolescence. So that's it from me, guys. I will You'll hear from me sometime again this week, and I hope you're staying safe. Wash your hands, and please, goddamn, stay inside. All right. See you next one.